You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. There's just one part that I love more than anything. I hold it so near to my heart. It has just two posts. They're a pair of two college friends. A bright light in a world that is dark. I lie, it's not Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents Pods from the Penalty Box, a nostalgic sampling of skate punk albums from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Join us in the pit. I am Andrew. I am John. And this is our podcast, and that's our food line. (laughs) That's right. The this is a very special episode. That's right. We are concluding mm. Goaty Hook in I can't imagine a better way to conclude this run of Goaty Hook episodes. Mm. It's perfect. We are talking with Joel Bell. Hey. Hey. Lead what singer. A good dude. Lead singer of Goaty Hook. Uh great dude. Yeah. Great conversation. Yes. I feel very, I'm coming off this interview, interview feeling uh, very, just very, you know, usually I end our episodes feeling great, but like I'm feeling particularly happy and, and just full of life after having that, having that Definitely. great conversation. Grateful um, for, uh, for time he spent with us. And I think folks will really enjoy it. Yes. So uh, we don't have anything else to say here at the top. Do nope. you, John? Do you have anything to say? I think we got to give the waste. people what they want. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to waste anybody's time. Uh, so let's let's get to our interview with Joel Bell. John, today on Magnified Pod, we welcome Joel Bell. You know him as the lead singer and occasional sax machine um, <laughs> of Fairfax punk band Goaty Hook. But to us, he will always be Uncle Slappy. But Joel, welcome to Magnified Pod. Thank you. What is Uncle Slappy from again? It's from the out one of the albums, right? Yeah, it's from uh, nicknames Sumo, or something. Su- yeah, Sumo Surprise. <laughs> You got uh, all these random ass nicknames that like 
never really return in any in any form yeah. in any other albums. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the other ones. There were some good ones throughout. Got, Banana Man had some got, good ones. Got right here. We got a uh, eight track Jones. You know, so a- Adam. Is, is that Adam? Yeah, that's okay. Adam. Uh, uh, Christian was El Guapo. Okay. Gobbles the Overlord was Conrad. <laughs> Jamie. Oh, it was Conrad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Jamie was Lampshade. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> And yeah, then, no idea where those came from. I'm <laughs> sure it was a a practice, and uh, or maybe it was when we were designing the artwork. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Eight track, eight track Jones is is an A plus, A plus name. Yeah, yeah, that one's pretty good. That one's pretty yeah. good. Um, Joel, we are so psyched to have you on, man. Uh, it's been a blast going through Goody Hook Records over the last few episodes, and we've been talking with you a little bit behind the scenes, but we've yeah. been so excited to finally yeah. talk with you. So. And thank you for and thank you for still coming on after all of the hurtful things John said. Specifically, <laughs> specifically, only John said. Um, Gotta check that all. tape, buddy. <laughs> well, you you introduced me to the term uh, butt rock. I really didn't. <laughs> I really didn't know that term. Um, uh, I, I think I looked up a uh, top ten list of butt rock bands. <laughs> yeah, were you guys in there? I don't or? remember. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We were probably number we were probably number eleven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just just outside, just, just missed, missed the it. cut. Just I mean, it, yeah. there was a cultural moment in which that was sort of the rock <laughs> sound du jour. So you guys were, you know, hitching your your wagon to the sound of the time. I don't know. Well, you uh, well, this is a tangent. Well, I guess it's not a tangent, but you got me thinking. I was like, well, where did where did that come from? You know, yeah. um, like what what was driving us in that direction, or at least the things that I was writing. Mm. Um, and I just remember I was talking to, uh, as I mentioned before we started, um, I was talking to Mark Lacasse yesterday. And, uh, so I was remembering that I listened to, uh, Clutch. I don't know if you ever yeah, yeah. Um, sure. heard those guys. Uh, but you know, they, they kind of went from this hardcore band to becoming this like rock mm-hmm. kind of, uh, <laughs> funk, you know, hardcore, just this, you know mixture of things so that was definitely um on repeat um acdc you know was always like sure. a favorite sure. um uh guns and roses use your illusion one and two you know yeah. i mean yeah. all the all the guns and roses stuff but you know use your illusion one and two those that was the big like rock opera you yeah. know so yeah. um but yeah that's the, that so I'm sure there were others, but that the, the, those were a few that came to mind. You know, sure. me me trying to, uh, you know, hone, um, <clears throat> take inspiration from that. So yeah, that makes sense. I could see the influences yeah. there. Yeah, um, yeah. I and and as John and I had have noted, kind of like binging a lot of these bands that around this time, so many bands were trying to do that crossover trying to do that uh that shifting from pop punk which was maybe on its way out to a more radio friendly radio ready sound and that just and so to us it just felt like oh this this makes sense this is sort of kind of in that vein of everybody in the early 2000s trying to get away from whatever was uh, you know, it kind of a a waning scene. Everybody was getting into uh, new metal, and uh, Limp Biscuit and Lincoln Park were bursting onto the scene. So everybody's yeah. trying to be like, let's, you know, nobody's listening to punk anymore. Let's 
let's get uh, <clears throat> emotional and aggressive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's also like, I mean, we'll get into the evolution of Goaty Hook in terms of sound. We, we got a lot of questions later on. But, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. But I was just going to say, like, it was also... I mean, a lot of teenagers and kids in high school writing these albums in the 90s. And it makes sense that by the time you're a little older, you want to maybe branch out a little more, do some songwriting that's not just limited to pop punk. So it makes sense. Um, anyway, we will we will unpack all that. But, <laughs> but Andrew has a, an important question. To yes. Okay, but, okay. What, but one thing one thing I need to do before, John, because even though we're doing an interview, like I still need to crack open a beverage because sure. I know... I know Joel, you said you were you were drinking a little little beer. What you what are you drinking tonight? So I, I I ran to the grocery store right before I had to go pick up my son and I um got some six point beer. Uh okay. six point is a brewery here in Brooklyn, and this is their this is the first time I'm trying it. It's a smoothie hazy IPA. Ooh. Sounds interesting. So yeah. Yeah, the, good. Did, uh... the smoothies, they have the uh the sort of the i think the lactose lactose, so it's like sort of a creamier consistency yeah yeah. Yeah. i did the six point tour back in the day a long time ago it was a good tour it's a yeah yeah good spot um what do you got john cracked open uh, a weird beer Hmm. uh this is another pipeworks brewing it's called gentle breeze uh saison with lavender smoked malt (laughs) peaches lemons and lavender it's too lavender but that is that is a john potter beer if i've ever it's a weird one i don't know if i fully endorse this one but you know it's doing the trick pipe pipe works pipe works they they like to they like to branch out be a little weird that's true um i'm also drinking an old-fashioned because right now um why not um anyway so back to task at hand joel bell question for you when did you first hear of Goaty Hook? Uh, so I don't know if we came up with the name right away. I have no idea. But, you know, it was sometime 91, 92. Uh, we needed a band name. Adam, <clears throat> you know, we were all church kids. So Adam had the idea, you know, Fishers of Men, Fish Hook. And then Conrad, uh, you know, knew about phonetic spelling and said, well, we could spell it a weird way. And, uh, you know, and everybody else was on board. And, you know, I I had found like some, you know, random name out of the dictionary. Adam would remember. I don't. Um, It was it was some like, you know, 90s grunge sounding name you know just some random word of the dictionary that had like an edge to it or whatever and everybody was like (laughs) we want the one that's hard to explain (laughs) we want to make our lives harder for the for the duration of the band um yeah so first question out the gate every interview what does this mean right all right Uh, guys yeah yeah so you know i mean like it was it was creative that's yes. that's for sure but as far like from a marketing perspective it was terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it wasn't doing us any any favors <laughs> i remember so, walking around high school wearing the shirt and like having to so many times be like okay the gh is for like and tough and then you got the uh which is like women and just like going through the whole thing but anyway <laughs> people every were single it. time yes. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um well when you were starting the band, regardless of the name, 
did you was there a kind of sound that you wanted to have when you were first dreaming up the band like what were you guys aiming to do did you have a specific band or sound in mind it was i i would have been in eighth eighth or ninth grade adam would have been in seventh or eighth grade uh and we, we had a friend at the time justin uh again we all went to church together adam's dad was the pastor of the church that we grew up in okay and so it was like around that time that uh Justin and I were starting to learn to play the guitar. Adam was learning to play the drums or at least the snare. And so that was the first time we ever mentioned to one another, like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool if we started a band? And, you know, I think like one afternoon we tried to write, you know, write a song with an acoustic or something and, and a drum pad. Um, but it wasn't until a couple of years later and, um, you know, through youth group, we knew obviously a couple other people in the church who knew a couple other people at, from another church and, you know, Conrad and Jamie. Um, so we, um, you know, that's how we kind of all got together. And then when we started playing, it was really just, it was a, it was a social event, you know, every Saturday we just show up at, again, because Adam's dad was the pastor of this church, we had access to sound equipment. We had, access to rehearsal space, you know? Um, so we would just like, uh, in the very early days, we would actually jam in the church sanctuary yeah. and, you know, we'd set up all this sound gear and, and then we would just screw around, you know, um, at the time, you know, I remember at least for me, like I was listening to a lot of Metallica, you know, faith, no more, um, Conrad had introduced me to, um, the violent Femmes and mm. dead milkmen. And so, you know, I, I would say like a lot of the silliness, um, you know, it was funny cause there's a lot of so social and societal commentary in, in mm -hmm. dead milkman songs, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, but you know, at, at like what, 14, 15 years old, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, this is a dumb song about a big lizard, you know? Uh -huh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, a lot of that silliness just came from like, from bands like that and, and just, you know, making each other laugh, uh, making fun of each other uh, a lot. <laughs> um, I threw my, I threw something at Adam one day at practice because like, because, because he made me so mad. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we would just get together every Saturday and just play around and um, we I think the very first song we wrote as a band was called, I want to say it was called The Song. <laughs> um, I, I think, uh, again, Adam would remember, but it was, it was basically, um, I'm going to forget the name, uh, Metallica, Ride the Lightning, the, the song that starts out kind of ballady, uh, it's about death, um, uh, yeah. I can't remember. But anyway, it was like that song, but for God. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was nice. like reversed, you know? Um, so, and we, we actually, so we went to an assemblies of God church and in the region um, they would have these, um, what were they called? Not like conferences, but um, you know, like, like a creative conference, you know, where people mm -hmm. can come and play and you can um, compete for, prizes or 
certificates or awards or whatever it was. So that was the first time I think we played live was we went to this, um, you know, Assemblies of God thing. And of course, you know, people are like playing worship and hymns and yes. very, you know, like soothing and somber and <laughs> joyful. And, and, you know, and then we show up and we're like, ah! <laughs> um, we got, we got a lot of the teenagers excited uh, yeah, sure. uh, that were there and we scared a ton of adults. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a long winded answer to your, to your question. But. No, that's, that's our favorite kind of answer. <laughs> um, so this was, so what year approximately was, was that conference? Cause you said you started, you know, we started fooling around in like 91 ish. Yeah. I actually, uh, I wore the last Goody hook t-shirt tonight. In, oh hell yeah! Uh, to uh, you know, for the that's your rules podcast. I was yeah, wondering. Extras, so. uh, cinema <laughs> I was wondering if I was like, I was like, is that an Avenged Sevenfold shirt or something? And it's got this <laughs> skull. Or yeah, like, cool as hell. It does look t- metal as fuck, bro. It's it's tomb. It's a tombstone. It says R A P. Gordy Hook, nineteen ninety one to two thousand two. So, Damn, so yeah. So, <laughs> so we started in in. Uh, in in 91 that conference would have been like 92 93 or something like that so and it wasn't until 94 that you put out that first demo the the no date demo and so we didn't we didn't cover that on the main feed we covered it as like a patreon bonus bonus content but one of the things that we were talking about was uh how of course of course there was there were two songs that did end up on sumo surprise but two other songs that were noticeably different in, in style that we that we were John and I were kind of commenting that it it sounded um like this like the band Polaris I'm not sure if you're familiar with Polaris or Mark Mark Mulcahy uh this just sort of adjacent college rock sound like um like an rem or something right Um, right. so that was there like a a moment in time where you were like just sort of like fooling around with different styles before you ultimately landed more on the the punk rock side of things or oh for sure i mean we like i said you know we started out with like you know first song being like you know this like metal ballad and uh right and then um yeah pride is one of those that that was one of the so the first song i ever wrote was seasons and that was that was the song it started out as an acoustic song um and uh before it got punkified um (laughs) but uh yeah i mean you know, getting to 94, you know, we're starting to listen to all these punk bands. You know, we're listening to No Effects, we're listening to Green Day, we're listening to Screeching Weasel, mm-hmm. we're listening to The Queers, we're listening to The Dickies. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, for me, you know, No Effects, Punk and Drublick, like, yeah, like, like that's like a perfect punk record, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, that definitely had, uh, you know, a heavy influence and I don't, I don't remember consciously or as a group, all of us saying like, okay, we're going to now do this. But I, I think it just naturally gravitated 
in that, you know, or, or moved in that direction, you know? So, Mm. yeah. It's interesting listening to those songs because I think in some cases going back to like early demos of bands that would eventually sort of land on a different sound, it could be like, Ooh, those ones, I don't know. That's like a little embarrassing, but they're actually really interesting songs. They yeah. just don't sound like Goaty Hook. Yeah. Um, so we were kind of like, oh, were they were they still figuring out where they were going to land and just writing whatever was interesting at the time? And it sounds like that was kind of the case, right? Totally. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was the first time we recorded. Yeah. First time we, we worked with a, an engineer. Uh, that was Kevin 131. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in thinking, listening to these episodes and thinking back on over the years. So it was uh, Christian played uh, such a key role in, in us doing some of these things because he was the one that was getting the random zines in the mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He was the one that was like listening to Scattered Few and the Altar Boys and LSU and I don't know, those, you know, those types of bands. And I don't remember how we connected with Kevin. Um, may, maybe Conrad has something to do with that. I don't remember. But, but Christian was the one that was really like, okay, how can we promote ourselves? How mm-hmm. can we start doing more? Um, and then, you know, for me, I was just focused on like, I just want to be cool. I just want to play <laughs> cool music. Uh-huh. I just want to play shows to <laughs> get fans, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I just, I do think that there are like, there are songs to be proud of there, even if it's like very early days, I think it was indicative that you guys were like capable of maybe more than just the one lane you might yeah. have kind of felt put in for a couple of those records, but um, you know, one thing we talked about with uh, our shadow producer Jason of Unoriginal Vinyl when he was on was that like he was kind of noting that Goaty Hook was like the first band that we've covered so far that is not from the West Coast or even from the Midwest in a couple of cases, but largely, you know, West Coast sound. Did you have an awareness of bringing sort of like an East Coast sound to a genre that was pretty heavily dominated by like different kinds of West Coast sounds or was it just kind of like whatever came out nope yeah it was it was just whatever you know I I mean yeah then it was just like having fun I wasn't even thinking about like where the bands I was listening to were from sure or anything like that um you know I hadn't traveled a lot you know aside from like going to like Georgia to see family Mm. or you know or traveling up and down the east coast you know so I really didn't have like a you know, a, a sense of, you know, the entire country and, sure. and all the different places and sounds and influences and that sort of thing. Yeah. I do think there's a little bit of like a, just being around sort of like maybe even tangentially the DC scene or even some of the New York bands that like, there's a, there's a sort of slightly different uh, sound to sort of the the punk that shaped those scenes that maybe like, had an influence on you guys that wasn't as obvious maybe as some of these other like pop punk bands. So I thought that was like an interesting distinction that, yeah, this is, a, this was a scene that was really heavily dominated by like a certain region of the country. And yeah. I, it's probably a bunch of reasons why you guys brought a slightly different sound, but that might've been one of them. I don't know. 
Well, Adam was was the one that was always had his finger on the pulse of all the different bands that were out there. I, 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 I'm ashamed to say I was fairly unaware of the whole DC hardcore punk scene. I mean, um, you know, I, you know, I was aware of Fugazi, I'd heard Fugazi, but I wasn't, I I didn't realize like that this, that that there was this scene and it existed, Mm. you know, I mean, it was in a, you know, in my, you know, um, teenage like church slash social you know bubble you know what I mean so um but Adam was paying attention to that stuff and so I would love to say like oh yeah you know this this and that band um really you know but I I can't claim that (laughs) yeah sure no I mean I was I grew up I grew up in the northwest suburbs of Chicago in and around bands like Screeching Weasel and I had friends and and like people I had I had a friend in middle school who was like talking to me about no effects and screeching weasel and like I was so deeply entrenched in the the tooth and nail Christian bookstore universe that I was just like <laughs> so like hyper focused on those bands that like and I was like trying to be the good Christian kid and like oh I don't know like you know I feel like this album art I like has pictures of Ben Weasel's dick. Like, I don't want to like, I can't, I can't, I can't listen to this. This is, this is not okay. You know? And I went through that phase of like selling my non-Christian music, you know, you know, because that's what the Lord wanted, you know, but yeah. So I get it. Like the culture was happening around me and I was like, just like, like, Oh, the only culture that mattered to me was like, what tooth nail and solid state was putting out at the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of, I, I mean, like high school, I was, it wasn't that I wasn't listening to, you know, yeah. Ninth, 10th grade went through the, they, you know, it was funny. My mom was never the person that came home and like saw a CD or, or a cassette and said like, Oh, uh, you know, it was, yeah. I always had my own, you know, inner, vo- you know, inner, inner, you know, the angel on the shoulder, like whispering, like, mm-hmm. you know, you shouldn't have these, um, yeah. you know? And so I went through a couple of phases where I would like ditch everything, but then, uh, you know, junior, senior year, like in high school, I was starting to, I was getting really wrapped up in like my, my social life at school. And that was like completely opposite from my friendships at church. And so it's, kind of leading this like double life but but uh i was listening to you know like a lot of you know secular bands um i i just wasn't aware of the dc scene i was and it's funny because knowing i was going to do this i was trying to think like who was i listening to at that Mm -hmm. time and um so the, the 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 things that came up for me were like like getting into like junior senior year were um you know like so so faith no more Mm-hmm. Um, the Pixies, mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned, like Violent Femmes, Dead Milkmen, um, and so there were there were these bands that, um, like the you know, I remember hearing you know I heard Surfer Rosa first. That's where I heard Where Is yeah. My Mind. Yeah, yeah. So I I like that song. You know, I I have liked that song for a very very long time, um, and like that's I remember first hearing that song just thinking oh my god this band is 
<laughs> yeah. What 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 is this? This yeah. Like this is my wavelength. I can yeah. I can connect with this. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So so I was having those moments. You know. Um. With 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 non Christian stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I that, think the uh, first time anybody hurt, like I I feel like I feel like that's one of those songs that you kind of know where you were and what you were doing when you first heard Where's My Mind because they're you're just like what what is happening with this with this song it it yeah that was my i think my freshman or sophomore year of high school that i that i heard that and it just like yeah it did it did it did something to my brain man it's just like oh it's yeah just... <laughs> this is a perfect opportunity to say that i mistakenly said that it was on doolittle when we were recording that episode and when i heard back i was like surfer rosa dude how could i make that mistake because <laughs> that record has like gigantic and bone yeah. machine i mean that yeah. was like a formative <laughs> so do little is obviously amazing too, but yeah. yeah that surfer is the rules mm-hmm. um yeah, was, go ahead no no i was just gonna say i was listening to the, I, it again and like in, in knowing that we were gonna talk i've been going back and listening to some of these records and bands and so that was yeah. one of them you know you were kind of mentioning like having times when even if it wasn't necessarily like your parents it was sort of the youth group culture that maybe put Mm -hmm. some of that pressure on to be like, Hey, why don't you get rid of your secular CDs or whatever? Like that's something we've talked a lot about on the pod of being like, you know, at the time we were sort of at the mercy of these like youth group uh, folks who were like often people without any training (laughs) that may have instilled some damaging things in us as kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And just sort of unpacking that world that kind of like, you know, it, to Andrew's point, like his, his dad was a pastor and, and they were not uh, filling his head with like theological garbage. They were like doing their best to, you know, raise him with what I find is like biblical truths that line up with like, you know, social justice and like positive things uh, rather right, than right, maybe right. some of the stuff we were getting. Like but all I of us still were getting... got fucked up. Anyway. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we all, no matter what was happening at home, we'd go to church yeah. and hear, you know, weird shit. So, yeah. is that like, what was your experience there looking back on it? Is, you know, for us, it's definitely a mix of positive and negative, but how do you kind of look back on that whole scene and that formative time? <clears throat> I don't. I, I. I'm thinking of one specific um, night at youth group. A- Adam and I have um, talked about this. Like, it's one of the like the stories that that continues and we don't forget. But we both remember being at youth group one night, and um, the youth pastor uh, was showing us a video, and the video was the. Um, uh, I don't know if it falls into like satanic panic, but it was, it was, it was like, here are the dangers of secular music. Uh And then it proceeded to play snippets of the songs and sometimes the music videos. Uh And, (laughs) and Adam and I have never forgotten sitting in the back row and singing along and being like, Oh, I love this song. (laughs) I I remember they, they, um, we listened to Paul's boutique a lot nice. uh, in, in high school and so um so i remember 
one of the one of the music videos they showed was was from Paul's boutique, and so we were like excited. We we're like, "This is great!" You know, it's um, <laughs> weird like that a, they were it targeting. Like com- it's like a commercial for this right. music. Like, oh, <laughs> right. this, right. this fucking rules! Oh shit, yeah. I hadn't seen this music. Yeah, yet. you're like jotting <laughs> down notes. Like, who was exactly? It? Don't listen that to the Beastie Boys. Beastie Paul's Boys. boutique was like the satanic album they were going after. That seems like a strange target for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they covered like some metal bands and and yeah. and things like that. But that's the that's the one snippet that I, you know, that we both we both remember. But yeah. you know, so I remember like that specific event. But you know, I think I think it was just like you know the messaging. You know, whether it was like people in conversation or when you would attend like church camp or. Um, you know, again, youth group, you know, um, it was just, it certainly was being communicated. Otherwise I wouldn't have felt that way. Right. Um, I just don't remember like how exactly it was, you know, aside from that story, like, um, how exactly it was being communicated to us, but I think it was just, uh, it was a culmination of, you know, events and conversations and circumstances that you just picked up on this like oh this is bad because of this or or more like this is sinful and this is sinful and this is sinful and this is sinful and this is you're like okay okay it's so wild because it's it's almost entirely up to the discretion of whoever is running the youth group because (laughs) you know like for me like i never had a youth group session that was about the dangers of music or rock music. That was never, that was never, never anything that was instilled in me. Mm-hmm. But for me, like I was, it was just like, you know, loading on all of the sexual shame and like how far right. is too far. And it's like, I'm sure there was, there was a, just a smorgasbord of in just every youth group of all of the different things to feel bad about. But it's so, it's so interesting. Cause I'm sure you could survey a hundred different people from around the country about their youth group experiences. And they could all give a variety of different answers because it was just whatever that person was like, this is this is the thing that is most important. It's like let's talk about how uh, Twisted Sister is satanic or whatever. Right. And then you see D. Snyder uh, in front of Congress, and he's like this incredibly well <laughs> uh, researched and articulate person making these very cogent points about right. about music and whatever. And you're just like, oh, maybe we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Maybe I don't know, but. It's it's yeah, that is. And of course, there's also uh, different different eras. You know, you're talking about the satanic panic era. And I think John and I grew up a little post right. post satanic panic. So I guess that probably would um, make make a difference. But, you know, even still, I remember um, uh, I think I've told this story on the pod about um my grandparents um like not wanting to buy a carmen cd because it like it had like sunday school rock or something was one of the songs i think (laughs) it's like 
like because it was like rock and roll and it's like right. this, is, this is Carmen wow. this yeah. is like that's like like I don't know I don't know how much more like if Carmen is too dangerous that's <laughs> Carmen a, is yeah. too far too rock a, and roll yeah. yeah interesting world yeah um so kind of along those lines like did you did you feel obligated to write songs about God or were they the kind of songs that came out of you at first. Cause I kind of want to, I want to get your thoughts on, on like tracked boy today. Uh, <laughs> Cause that was sort yeah. of one of the few songs from that era that we were like, Ooh, looking back, uh, this is, this is a little bit tough. Um, so yeah, I just didn't know if it was like, if you were, you know, which we, we try to like have a balance in our approach to those kind of songs where we like call out what may be sort of like, something that we bump on today but they're absolutely project products of the culture that we were all in so like yeah. it makes sense that you felt like maybe that was something you wanted to communicate but sort of how what was that like what made you want to write songs but, but keeping in mind that that wasn't that, that wasn't was a song that you wrote. it wasn't a joel yeah. song no right, 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 even right. still no 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 i mean um so again knowing that we were going to talk i've been thinking about these things and so first off when we would play these songs, like I said, we would, uh, this was part of our, you know, our shared social life. We would get together on Saturdays and we just, in the church sanctuary, and we just play all day. And so when we were writing some of these earlier songs, you know, whether it was like Ookla or something else, uh, Spice Drops, um, those started off with nonsense lyrics. You know, it was all just... Right. You know, it was like dry run, but like, <laughs> you, you know, with no theme, like there was, a, you know, there was no, it didn't make any sense. Um, so when it came time to write the lyrics and as we, you know, started to record, um, you know, again, I don't remember like specific moments where we all sat down and had some type of band meeting about what we were going to do, but I can say that you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, um, you know, and that environment is very like emotionally driven. It's about mm -hmm. like experiencing God in the moment. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's coming from the, um, perspective of free will and, you know, so, you know, part of your mission as, you know, uh, as a Christian, you know, in, 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 you know, within that doctrine was, you know, sharing, you know, the, the, the good news and finding ways to do that, whether it was like talking to your friends or, you know, and then in our case, you know, in the music that we were writing um, and then Conrad and Jamie, um, they introduced us or, or really it was Conrad and Conrad's dad that introduced me to like, I'd never heard the word theology prior to meeting Conrad and his dad. Um, so they introduced us to this more, you know, like, you know, this more thought out uh, uh -huh. approach to like your faith and, and, and why you believe what you believe. And, um, you know, and, uh, Maybe I didn't realize it right at first, but, you know, being introduced to Calvinism, this idea of being in the elect and, mm -hmm. you know, predestination and mm -hmm. all of that. And so, um, but, you know, so 
So whereas like from my upbringing, I might be coming at it from being taught that it's like, if I don't say something to this person I meet, then they could right. be fucked. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean? right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and so you chase uh, people down on the street and right, right, right. Like, and, and that ties into track boys. So, right. So we'll, we'll come back to that, but, um, but, you know, coming at it from this other perspective uh, and this, this other approach that I wasn't familiar with, you had the same mission. It was just, uh, your, I guess your reasons were, were, were different. Like, well, it's not up to you, but, um, out of, you know, being so grateful for the grace and love that you've been shown this, this should be something that sort of naturally, uh, you know, is still something you want to share because that's part of the, you know, how you live out this Christian life. Um, but, but you weren't in charge. Like, you, you know, it, it wasn't free will, you know, um, right. it wasn't up to you, but it was still something that was important and part of being faithful, you know, and living out this life. So either way, you were still left feeling like, well, we're in this band and we're singing these songs and what are we going to sing about? And it just, you know, that's what, that's what felt, you know, that's what we felt like we should do. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what we did. And then we would balance it out with, with, with silly stuff, right. You know, um, because we still wanted to just have fun and, um, and so, you know, we felt like, okay, as long as we're, we're kind of balancing it out, then, you know, then it's, it's, you know, we're getting, we're getting that message across, you know? So, yeah. So, the, so did, was that an intentional decision? Because, I mean, you seem to be the one that would, you know, as, as an Enneagram four and as an emotional <clears throat> person, like, you wrote a lot of the more emotionally grounded songs. So was that, was that a conversation that you were, that you had that you were like intentionally saying, let's have these real faith driven songs and songs that are grounded in, in some level of truth as you saw it. And then like, but we need to balance it out and not have it only be heavy. Was that like an intentional, this, that was an intentional decision or did that so, just sort of happen that way? So, you know, as I mentioned, like seasons was the first song I ever wrote. It's the right. first lyrics I ever wrote, um, you know, for Pretty a good first song. Effort. I mean, that's. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, and you hear that song and that's me, you know, I'm just, I'm just being me. I'm just, you know, I'm being very forthcoming, um, you know, as you pointed out, it's like, it's a simple song of redemption, you know, of, of, um, forgetting the story in the Bible, the one where the guy wanders away, but then comes back, you know, um, yeah, prodigal son. So, um, you know, it was, so that was my way of communicating it. 
And then Conrad's approach for communicating it was more fun, you know, like mm. Ukla the Punk. Sure. Um, um, and I think, you know, I don't know who wrote the lyrics to Spice Drops, but if I wrote that, like, that was probably just sort of, you know, taking that Conrad's energy and being like, oh, well, I can, you know, I can do a fun one too, you know? So, yeah. you know, um, but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that we've talked a lot about as we've gone through the records is like, I think a fair amount of what drew us to your music as kids and what still resonates with us, with us now, when we look back and, and listen to it today is like this idea of the mix of the silly and profound still really holds up. I mean, like there were the narratives that you guys would um, would write for these songs were often really heavy themes, but they didn't feel judgmental in a mm -hmm. way that a lot yeah. of the heavier songs from the sort of Christian rock world felt. They felt more like you guys were presenting scenarios with sort of complicated um, right. moral questions, but leaving it sort of up to the audience to sort of, you know, find, find God in there if there's God to be found or redemption or whatever thing. Right. So I, I don't know, A, I'm like just impressed that you guys were kids and taking that approach to songwriting and B, is that something that you also strove for when you wrote songs and tried to tackle some of the stuff or again, was it just kind of like how it, how it came out of you as you were writing? Really, it was just came out uh, yeah. for me. You know, a lot of it was just, you know, the emotion of the moment, whatever I was going through at that time. Conrad, um, you know, like I said, he would write the the sillier stuff, but then he would also write um, some really thoughtful yeah. uh, songs. Like, so like never mm. um, or scared am I, you know, yeah. you know, very thoughtful songs taking like real life situations that maybe weren't something he was experiencing firsthand, but recognizing here's a, here's a situation in life that must be really hard right. and, and then writing about that. So, so yeah, we, we, I don't, we, it wasn't, you know, I, you know, we were not like, <laughs> this was not all, you know, uh, you know, carefully planned, uh, sure, but, sure. but I think, that just made you know that just made sense um you know and 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 that's just what came out so yeah i mean uh, yeah there there was just it it stood out in the scene in terms of like the approach and i think even we were talking about songs like um just fools or monsters that right. for us as kids we were like hold on a second like there's something happening here that feels different than a lot of the songs that we're hearing and like there's sort of an honest wrestling again with maybe some of the emotions you were going through i can't remember how this the songwriting credits for all these songs worked out but like <laughs> clearly even if it wasn't like there was there was a shared uh, sense among you guys that like um we're going to explore some of these emotionally weighty and complex things that like um yeah as kids just felt it felt it's it stood out in the scene and it still does when we look back on it yeah it's funny i this is a tangent but you mentioned monsters and i had i totally forgot about that song to listen rules. to the podcast i was like oh yeah i remember this song <laughs> um but uh yeah it you know i would say with sumo you know that 
that's what that was like a natural progression again it wasn't something that we were like carefully planning out that's just the way it happened i would say when banana man came along and we were writing the songs for banana man then we were looking back to sumo and going okay what did we do on sumo okay we wrote some silly songs we wrote some serious songs um and and we weren't trying to you know replicate that record but we were you know it's like you know the dials or the knobs on a head you know it's like we were dialing all the the same settings in you know yeah, and yeah. and and going for that you know to, you know to you know um the second time around so right. in that one there would have been more i guess it wasn't as natural um but uh it was, you know, like we had a bit of a formula, basically. Sure. So we were... dial, dialing it in literally or metaphorically? It's funny. After we did Sumo, you know, when we were, you know, we had done No Date. We had done this other EP called Boca Grande. And mm. so when Sumo came around, we had years, literally, of, of, of material that we were, had, you know, been working on and, and, and then we did that record and then, you know, we, now we're, you know, now we have this record contract and uh, now we have to put out another record. So it was more like, Oh, uh, I got to come to work today and <laughs> <laughs> work on these songs, you know? So practice wasn't as, it's not that it wasn't as fun. It was just, there was, you know, we, we had tasks, we had responsibilities, we had things that we had to uh goals we had to meet and so there was a little bit more um you know it was just a, a different mindset you know uh for it but again like we were at that you know sumo and banana men like we we were still true to ourselves we were still you know five guys that just love to make each other laugh that you know loved being on stage and just turning the energy level as high as possible, you know, jumping around like idiots, um, you know, and so we, you know, we still had that, 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 that energy, you know, when we were writing Banana Man, um, even though we, we, we were now on the clock, you know, so to speak. Right. So. Sure. It did seem noticeable to me i guess and maybe this was just again just kind of how it all shook out and there wasn't a rhyme or reason to it but like that the sort of explicit emphasis on god or like proselytizing songs aren't really on banana man so that's kind of why i wondered more like they stand out a little more on sumo for me like was there a conscious effort to be like we're not going to take that explicit an approach this time or was that just kind of the natural sort of evolution of how you guys are approaching songwriting I think it was just natural evolution. You yeah. know, if I was, I was, if I was writing a song, I was usually writing about something personal mm -hmm. that was going on in my life or had happened. And, and then there was like some type of, you know, through the God lens um, and, and, you know, talking about that. And then I guess, I guess on Banana Man, I guess Conrad, you know, he did Love by the Numbers, um, Esteban. Um, yeah, I guess we didn't have as much, 
Well, I know. I don't know. We had Banana Man. That was pretty silly. We had Mauled at the Zoo. My bike. Uh, my bike. Yeah. So yeah, we still, you know, cowboy. I th- yeah, cowboy. Yeah. So I guess we did. We still, you know, we we still stayed true to that. I but as far as like why we didn't, why it wasn't as like God, 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 God. Um, <laughs> a classic. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I do, I, I'm part of it could have been like, you know, once we got signed and we're starting to get attention, starting to play shows. And for me, at least, you know, you're thinking about like, Maybe we could get famous. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe we could get on the cover of magazines. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking like, you know, so maybe I wasn't thinking at that moment I wanted to be taken more seriously, but I also recognized that, you know, like when Sumo came out, for example, we got this, um, you know, some punk, uh, secular punk review at the time. And they were basically like, yeah, 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 it's okay, it's Christian and south capitol street rips off an operation ivy song and so whatever you know so <laughs> so yeah, we were starting off i mean yeah yeah it's a good good band to rip up um but tooth and nail you know tooth and nail was trying to present itself as like well we're not a christian label yet all of our bands are contained christians <laughs> you know um right. so but they were you know, now we had, you know, now we were getting exposed to the, you know, yes, it was like mostly Christian bookstores, but we were showing up in like tower records occasionally, or, you know, mm-hmm. or, or some other, you know, music store that wasn't the Christian bookstore. And so I do think at least on my part, there was, I, I was, I was aware that if we, you know, if we have God, 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 like that's going to turn off. <laughs> sure some people you know so now that now that i'm like talking about it and thinking about it like yeah i can see that once we started to get exposure um and we had now like traveled the country and seen different places and played at different places you know it was like how can we how can we take this one step further and you know not be limited to the christian market sure yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking of um, the Christian market, so a lot of the bands that we have talked with have mentioned the difference between playing a church show and a <laughs> club show. Yeah. And the church show pays well but maybe not as fun the club show typically pays shit but is you know you're getting a different exposure a different kind of audience and maybe you can be a little bit more free in your expression does this ring true for you is that your experience we i mean over the years we we um we played a lot of Christian shows, you know, whether they were at a church or, um, you know, some type of club or house, but was still like Christian owned or run or whatever. Mm. And 
So we played a lot of those shows and we didn't, you know, it wasn't until, you know, occasionally we would get club shows. It wasn't until like down the road when we started opening for MXPX and things like that, where we, we start, it was like all clubs. So money-wise it, it varied, you know what I mean? Like some, you know, yeah, like some, some random, like, you know, we played Coney Island high in New York city and there was like three people there, two of, you know, two of which were our friends. Um, so yeah, there were some shows at clubs where, you know, <laughs> we, you know, we made nothing and, uh, but there was also church shows where we made, you know, very little. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there'd be, you know, festivals, you'd make a lot of money on merch um, or like opening for the Supertones, you know, you make a lot of money on merch. Um, and there were some, you know, some some church shows that would 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 pay a lot, but it wasn't. I guess my point is like it wasn't a you know it wasn't it wasn't like oh it's a church show we're automatically like gonna make a you know decent or pretty good sure. amount of money. So the sure. money the money thing varied. As far as the pressure to preach um, and and that sort of thing, that also varied. You know what I mean? You'd show up at some churches and the you know, the promoter or the youth pastor, like they didn't care. They just, they knew that their uh, youth group or the, you know, the, you know, they, they knew these kids, they could see how much these kids appreciated and enjoyed this, you know, these bands and this experience. And so they were just like, let it happen. You know what I mean? They didn't stand in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had other situations where, yeah, there were occasions where, um, the, you know, while it wasn't like explicit, explicitly stated that you had to preach, um, there it was sort of insinuated. Um, Then there were rare instances where it was explicitly stated. Um, We, um, we went to, after the Supertones tour in the fall of 97, we went to South Africa and we played some shows there and it was at assemblies of god church in east london south africa that paid for our flights brought us over wow um they coordinated the shows that we would play you know we we did like i don't know three to five shows in different places around the country and but the main show that we were flown there for was this was this um show in east london they rented out this like soccer stadium now not for Goaty Hook, by the way, let me be clear on that. Um, it was a day long event of different bands and ensembles and musicians. And, um, you know, we played uh, in the evening, but it was funny because the night before, you know, uh, we're, they had a different word for it, but it was the equivalent of a barbecue. So we're at the barbecue uh, of the, like, you know, um, one, of, one of the, one of the, um, elders at the church you know and his daughter um they it was at their their home and they were having the barbecue and and a lot of the church folk were there and we were there you know we were mingling and so the um the daughter comes up to me at one point and she says to me you know we're really excited to hear what you have to say tomorrow (laughs) and i was thinking Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) 
what uh what, what am the, i going to do what am i going to that, do here? what does that mean what does that mean i was completely ignorant at the time of the history of south africa of apartheid of, mm. the, oh, of the culture yeah. like i was again i was like you know 20 21 in this punk band just wanting to be famous you know what i mean so right, right. So, of course, I learned a lot on that trip, and it was very eye-opening. And, of course, over the years, I've been able to understand and appreciate more of that. But at the time, you know, I, I, I just, I, I was ignorant of it. And, but anyway, so we're, we're at this, she says this at the barbecue, and I just remember just really getting nervous. And... And just thinking, because then, then I felt this pressure, you know, like, what am I going to say? Like, mm-hmm. because not only do they want me to say something, but they, it, it sounds like she has some, and not only she, but others have ex- an expectation right. of this being something special. And <laughs> the supertones would always, you know, they, they had like a very structured thing, you know, and they, and Jason wouldn't come out from the drums and do the whole message and thing like that, things right. like that. Goaty Hook did not do that. And so, but occasionally, you know, situations would come or circumstances would come up like this. And, you know, there were times when I, like, there was a few times where I would say something, say something from stage. And if it came naturally, where Mm. it just came out of this, like, I really just want to help. And I don't know exactly how or what I'm going to say, but I feel inspired. I'm going to say something. And I would say it. And, and it was those moments that felt right. It was, you know, but this other moment was a situation where now I felt a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. So when it came time, and it, so we played the set the next night. And I just remember getting towards the end of the set and every song I'm thinking, okay, I got to say something. I got to say something. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? And, you know, I, I, I don't remember what I said. I don't remember how long it was. I remember I did stop and make a point to address the crowd and, you know, present the gospel or present my story or some, you know, parts of my testimony. I don't even remember, but it, it was, it just, it wasn't very good. <laughs> whatever, whatever came out of my mouth was, was not great. It did not sound inspired. I just, and I, I just remember afterwards, like, I, I don't remember like what, what people said specifically, but I just got the impression like, yeah, that was, yeah. That, mm. that, 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 thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just being like, uh, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, the, those moments were awful, you know, like, yeah. um, I did not like feeling that pressure yeah. and, um, it, it, yeah, I did not enjoy that whatsoever. Yeah. That's sort of contrived sort of needing, needing to say something profound off the cuff. I don't, yeah, yeah that's, that's a, it's a particular, it's a particular skill and, Forcing twenty-year-old singers of punk bands to do it may not be the <laughs> yeah, best approach. Yeah, right. 
that's that's tough man i that's that is that is the the less than glamorous part about being about being in your position i suppose yeah yeah Uh, but it was a funny story though (laughs) (laughs) they probably got what they were looking for out of of the super tones set if they played Uh, so at least they had that i mean i will say I always appreciated that you were not a band that felt the need to do that. Uh, so yeah, there was I, a, a breath of fresh air with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I also was like, you know, having the lead singer be like, sit down on the edge of the stage and be like, let's <laughs> rap about, yeah. let's rap about the Lord, you know, uh, but like, yeah. and, and I, I can't help but like transition just for a second. Like, cause you told the story on urban achiever about being you know, kicked out of creation fest. (laughs) And like, so did you, was there, was, did you have this feeling that like, and you also like sort of mentioned off the cuff of like that you guys would get in trouble, whether it was for your, you know, your songs we didn't write and like the bands that you chose to cover on that record. And like, did, so did, was there, did you feel like you, did you feel a little bit like it like outcasts within the scene or did you were were you just like or was it just like whatever like we don't care it's, kick us out it doesn't matter we're gonna be we're gonna laugh about you know uh the insiders you know and, and <laughs> super tones like right. you know like just like or did did you not care or was it just was was there like a tension that you felt like you needed to comply with the sort of status quo of the goofiness of the scene well the rare occasion it would happen like i said and it felt natural or it felt real or it felt like i was trying to share part of me you know those rare times that that would take place like that felt right Mm -hmm. um but uh going back to what i was saying earlier about like different churches, different promoters, different pastors, different people having different expectations. It varied, you know, so creation fest was the, a type of environment where, um, they had prayer teams backstage. So when you were, you know, getting your gear together, getting ready to go play your set, there was a dedicated prayer team you know, of volunteers from some local church or whatever that would come up to you and be like, can we, can we, can we pray with you before you play your set? So that, you know, this, this, so that it it is, it is blessed. Um, And um, and it was, I, 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 I can't remember, like, this is the way I remember it. I don't remember if this is what actually happened, but I, what I remember at creation was like the prayer team came up to us and said, like, can we pray with you? We're like, no, nah, we're good. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would say. <laughs> yeah. It's like, can we, can we, uh, can we pray for you? It's like, sure. What's up? We're going to hook. This is a song about a bike. You know, like, what, what are the, like, what are, that probably well, wasn't the answer they were looking for out of you guys though. Well, and you know, like, Again, I think it was, I guess when I'm thinking about this more and more, it was like, it was the situations where it was forced, yeah. where yeah. it was expected, where, you know, they, inauthentic. it was inauthentic. Exactly. 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 So creation, we just, we got a bad taste in our mouth because of that, uh, you know, watching this, this prayer team, you know, roam around 
backstage. And then I, I don't remember what else happened, but then Adam got up and started, you know, between songs and started screaming at the audience about something. I don't remember, <laughs> like not, not screaming in like an angry manner. He was just yeah, being yeah. like crazy. And then he's, you know, he stuck the microphone into one of the monitors because he knew it would generate feedback, which it did, which pissed off the, the sound people, of course. And, um, you know, pissed off the stage manager. And so I think it just went up the chain at that point. And so we just got labeled as, you know, you know, you know, bringing chaos, you know, (laughs) and so they, you know, so they, so they, so they, they, they kicked us out. They're like, yeah, we're we're not invited to that creation ever again. Like when I, when I think of, when I think of punk bands, I think of calm, orderly structured (laughs) like we want like we want you guys to be by the book yeah like what what sort of lame ass festival like i don't know like i i always felt like cornerstone i was a cornerstone kid like i went i I, like i saw you guys play cornerstone i saw you guys okay i this is this is a side note because i i need to know how this show came to be because this to me was a wild show uh this was an edan show in chicago at north park the north park uh university you played with squad 5-0 morella's forest and pod do you remember this show not at all (laughs) (laughs) this is like this is like i think this was like 1998 and I'm like, this is like the most bonkers show in hindsight, because this was the first time I saw you guys. But I'm like, to think to think of like how you guys got put on a bill, because that was just like a like a random assortment of, of bands. But like you and P.O.D. before P.O.D. like exploded. Yeah. Um, yeah. But OK, so I because I, I know you remember I remember you saying like, you know, you might not remember like all of the yeah, details it's, it's of blurry. The- <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that those, I don't know. Like I, I, as I said, Cornerstone always felt like more loose. There were random stages. People like bands were like popping up at random places. It always, it was always hot as shit and dusty and miserable yeah. and, um weren't roving bands of prayer teams like descending on the bands (laughs) trying to like make you you know but yeah that i i that a lot of these this podcast has uh brought attention to me uh a lot of different christian festivals that i've never heard of until these last three years and um that. What was the one in What was the one in Minnesota or Wisconsin? It was like Sunshine. Sunshine. Fest? Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember that um, one? You know, getting back to Banana Man, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, there are some there are some longstanding you know mysteries that we just want to shed a little light on. Uh, okay. Could you talk about the box and how the box <laughs> came to be in a food lion? became involved in the box 
Um, so Food Lion was like, you know, driving around our area and seeing food lines. And um, <laughs> I don't remember why that became the end of the song. Was but, that an improvised uh, moment? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I love that so much. So the box was Jamie at practice one day. And if, if you look at the, you know, if you look at it on the fretboard, it's a box. Ah. It's just da, 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 I think da. we talked about that being a possible reason, right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So Continue. he was he was just being goofy and you know, da, 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 and th- then the next thing you know, we were, you know, the box, the <laughs> box, you know. So uh so it just happened, you know, at practice and as I mentioned earlier with Banana Man, we were, we were now, had, we now had a time constraint, you know, we had right. to write this record in a certain amount of time. And I forget what the length was to qualify as a LP or full length record, but it was something like 36 minutes or 38 minutes or something like that. <laughs> we were, you know, three minutes under or four minutes under and so I don't know who had the, you know, amazing idea to, uh, to use the box, but we, we did it as filler to qualify the record for the, for, for a full length. There you so, go. Well, the rest yeah. is rock and roll history. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you know, but we've been using uh, the box to unpack uh, different things this season. Like if we hear a song, open the box. Like, right? Yeah, we got to open up yeah. the box on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was like yeah, the it's it was supposed to be like the con, like the Pandora's box. Let's let's talk about this controversial issue. Let's open up the box, and so we would always use like like three seconds of 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 the box. This one's called the box. Pretty much every episode this season for us. Just wanted to explore that uh, important mystery. Um, But like more seriously with Banana Man, I mean, it's an album that is is so important to me and was like such a formative one. And so it was like surprising to learn that it had this reputation for some people as being like it doesn't sound anywhere near as good as Sumo Surprise and stuff. And I'm like. I guess that's true, but I hadn't really thought about it. But like, obviously, that's become something that I know more about the background on. Yeah. And, and like, it seemed like such an important time for the band that, like, I don't know. I mean, like, why are there no videos for Banana Man? It seems like a perfect album for that. Like, why? I mean, did you feel like they were doing? Well, I don't want to get into controversy, but like, did you did you get out of your sophomore record, what you were hoping to achieve with the sophomore record, I guess is kind of the question. So to answer the video question, I don't know why Tooth and Nail didn't do a video. Part of it might've just been timing and where we were. So, you know, he had people on the West Coast. Um, Maybe it was easier to, you know, make videos with, with bands on the West Coast or, you know, or we didn't have somebody that he could easily you know, reach out to, to do that for us on the East coast, but it, that just didn't happen. And I'm not exactly sure why, but as far as the, the recording of it, again, as I mentioned, Sumo, everything lined up really well. Uh, Brandon had found the studio in Baltimore. 
had found the engineer. Um, we had worked with Kevin on the EP, so we wanted him to work with us um, as a producer. And so when Bananaman came around, we just like, well, what, let's take two. Let's do it. You know, same yeah. studio, same engineer, same producer. Let's do this. And we recorded Sumo in like seven days or something. Mm-hmm. And so Banana Man, we wanted a little bit more time, which obviously was going to cost uh, the label a little, little bit more. I don't know the details, but Drew Mazurk, I think the way I remember it is he wanted more money and uh, he didn't get it. And so he, you know, Sumo, you know, he, you know, he, he, you know, he, he was looking at us like, who are these goofy kids, you know, and, um, but he had fun, you know, and, but then with Banana Man, like he was, he would literally clock in like, okay, what do you need from me? All right. It's, you know, it's eight o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever it was. I I'm, you know, they're not paying me to stay past. So I'm out of here. So he was, his heart was not in it whatsoever. And Kevin, you know, so Kevin was our producer, but Kevin was also an engineer, but because Drew was the, the engineer, you know, he was in charge of the board. So Kevin, you know, could make suggestions, but he wasn't going to, um, you know, like he wasn't touching the board, you know? Um, so it, it just, we didn't have that same, you know, it, it wasn't the same energy that second time. And, and the tones just didn't, you know, the guitar tones just weren't as, you know, same studio, a lot of the same instruments, you know, same mic placements, all these things, but yet it just, yeah, like it didn't have the life yeah. that Sumo had. And, and, you know, we could hear it and we could feel it, but, you know, it's easy to look back and say like, oh, we, we should have done something, but you have to think like this is happening in like a week and a half. Yeah. Right. So it's all happening really rapidly yeah. and you only have so much control over it right. as, you know, as it's happening. So by the end of it, um, I don't know if it was Brandon that make the, made the decision probably. Um, but yeah, he heard the, you know, the, the rough mixes and was not liking it. So I, I think it was his idea to, um, what's his name? Darren? Is that right? No. Uh, Steve Kravak. Steve Kravak. I'm yeah. thinking Darren Doan was the video guy. Hmm. Anyway. Um, yeah. It was Brandon's idea to, um, I think, to uh, get Steve Kravak to mix it. And yeah. And he would only fly out two of us so connor and i went and when you're sitting in the studio and you've got like you got like the little speakers and then the huge speakers and they were constantly right. you know going back and forth between the two and of course like on the big speakers everything sounds full and Conrad and i would take like rough i don't know if they were like we they, i don't know if they were burning cds at the time or they would give us cassettes but we would we would take a mix of a song and we would go out in our rental car Right. And we would listen to it to see like, okay, how does this sound in a car? Yeah. Cause that was usually like a good judge of, you know, you could hear things a little bit differently, yeah. but again, for whatever reason, we didn't hear how much 
Steve had thinned it out. Like he yeah. just really thinned it out. And uh, I hate the sound of that record. Um, it, it's it, such a shame. It it's bums, such a shame. It bums me out to no end because <laughs> the potential, like, and I talked about this on the Banana Man episode that I felt like if this album could have give, had some more room to breathe in the studio, if this album could have been given <laughs> even like another week, like just yeah. to like flesh out some ideas or play around with some instrumentation or whatever, like I, I, it, it could have been, it just could have been so much more. And, and as it lands, just like it, it you're it, the treble and the harshness of a lot yeah. of it is just so it, it bums, it bums me out because I love so many of the songs, but you know, but John and I of course have talked about, that sumo was my introduction banana man was his introduction and so right. those are are always going to be the those like uh sumo and teenage politics my eighth grade year it just like blew everything wide open for me but um so like two things are you aware that there is a possible repress not even repress but a first pressing of sumo surprise on the horizon Are yes you... i know i knew i knew jason was doing that because he approached us um jamie was the was the was the one who corresponded with them um and yeah and 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 jason read that um insert that that uh <laughs> that he wrote um yeah. <laughs> so yeah jamie shared us you know we we were going back and forth over text um jamie adam and i and uh so jamie's like well i'm just gonna write this thing and like okay and then he shared it with us we're like perfect <laughs> that's pretty great it's it's, it's absurd great. and it, it's perfect yeah. um yeah. so going off that of course um the rights of of you know i'm pretty sure was a capital christian owns yeah it's it's changed hands over the years but i i think these days it's capital christian music group or something yeah. um yeah we you know we make like i don't even we make so little i don't even have to claim it um yeah it's super, <laughs> super cool super cool love that that's but, but yeah, I, you're asking right because it's like, has there ever been any discussion around the possibility of pursuing a remaster, or is that like not even on the table? I don't remember when it was, but I do remember there there was a there was a time where I I I, I was at least thinking to myself like, oh, it would be so great if we could just re-record this. Hmm. Um, that was years ago, though. Right. Um, you know. But yeah, I guess moving the, heaven and earth maybe to like, like you know, getting the band back together, so to speak. Because would would you want 
to get the OG people back in this because <laughs> that would that would be probably a lot of work to get oh yeah yeah no every... it, it wouldn't happen it wouldn't happen but but i just i remember having that thought maybe it was when i did billy's podcast you know thinking back on the records or something but um but yeah it you know you're to your point john like it it, it you know it, get re, remastering it remixing it um that would be probably like a really good first <laughs> to uh to try I mean, the, to rectify the, the stems probably exist right like yeah the, i mean yeah. that that probably so just getting the rights to that and getting i mean i'm sure there's somebody out there that would as a passion project <laughs> we've had we've had listeners ask I think in earnest, if we could like launch a Kickstarter to fund a remix of the record. <laughs> so we're, you know, if you need us to champion this, this will be our new passion project. But uh, anyway. well, I imagine, I imagine Brandon's got it. They got them somewhere. There's got to be some warehouse. Yeah. There's got to be some oh, shelf. Absolutely. Well, and like, I, I just think that as much as a fan favorite as this record is it, and it's so bizarre to me because Steve has worked on some iconic records. Like less than a year later, he put out Slowly Going the Way of the Buffalo. Yeah. You know? And that we, album. I mean, yeah. We just that, had him on the show and he did the new Slick Shoes record, which sounds amazing. So well, with, well, with somebody else, you know, but no, I know, but I'm just saying, like, he, yes. it's not yeah, I know there's like a treble thing that he had, but like he's certainly capable of records that sound nothing like that. So well, it's kind of like a movie changing directors halfway through or something like, you know, like if the script's not great, if the vibe's not right, like it's right. it's just not going to work. And I think, you know, I don't blame Steve, you know, for, you know, uh, you know, he took something, he did what he thought made sense and sounded yeah. good at that moment in time. And that's what came out, you know but he wasn't there throughout the entire process. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like, it was, you know, it was, it just got off, it got off on the wrong foot from the start. Yeah. And, yeah, that, and that, sucks, was, that was the problem. You know? Isn't, it, isn't so. it wild to me? Like it's, it's wild to me at least that like how much more money would it have taken? Like in the grand scheme of things, he was, was it, this was Kevin that was asking for it or Drew? Drew. Yeah. Drew. Okay. <laughs> like how much more money in the at the end of the day would it have taken to him be like, okay, to make an album that would have been that he would have had his full attention, his full heart into it, that like that would have made all the difference. Was that really like could it have been like that exorbitant that it would have made it just it just seems so silly to me that to pinch to pinch pennies so much that like a band that's up and coming and is sort of like could be the, uh, a big thing for the label and you're like well I don't know let's let's lowball the guy maybe right. but but this is why I don't make a lot of money so <laughs> you know, well, you know, well he's, and evil evil is a good businessman and there's a reason you know he's probably as successful as he is but you know well and i don't know the details like i don't know the ins and outs like maybe what drew was asking for was unreasonable you know, unreasonable 
or, you know, and, and then on Brandon's side of, on tooth and nail side of things, like, you know, I'm sure every band, every record, you know, there's a budget, you know, and you've got like line items within that budget. Like, this is how much we're going to pay for this is how much we're going to pay for that. You know what I mean? So you're monitoring and watching and, and looking after these line items and making sure that, you know, you're keeping that cost where you want it to be. Again, like, I don't know if that was reasonable. It was a reasonable budget or something like that, but I'm just trying to think of it from all perspectives here. But um, you're, you're maybe a little bit more gracious than I am. (laughs) I mean, it bums me out that you look back on it in that way. And I'll just say that as to my, to my non-discerning teenage ears, it didn't, it didn't prevent me from it being one of my favorite records. Like it didn't, I didn't even notice the sound difference until we looked back on it for this season. So like, I think it's still made its way to, to, to many people's hearts despite that. So I hope you look back on it with a certain level of, uh, I don't know, of, of happiness. So, well, anyway. no, what I, what I, what I do like, you know, again, listening to these episodes um, and hearing these songs again, some of which I haven't heard in ages, I'm like, it makes me happy to realize that we were able to write another round of great songs. Yeah. You know, that, that were, you know, if you set the production aside and you just look at the songs for the songs and you compare the two records, like they both had, um, you know, they both had charm. They both, had that you know they both had their you know unique energy uh but also consistency um you know that's that's kind of what i kind of took from listening to it uh, again on this uh in your episode was yeah we wrote some we we wrote some fun songs it wasn't just like it it wasn't sumo surprise too um right. and and we yeah, it was like it was good. I feel good. I feel good about it. It's just good. it really is just the production that yeah. you know yeah. sours yeah, it all. Um, you know, it's so bef- good. No, before I just want to make sure before we move on past banana man, I would be remiss if we didn't mention Sean Matthews. Yeah, um, and the uh, his role in the iconic cover of of banana man and the and of course combat chuck uh and the uh the iconic logo that you almost you know got sued into oblivion for (laughs) by chiquita um and i just didn't know if there was anything you would um I just didn't want to pass just just blow by this without mentioning without without mentioning him and and his role um yeah. in, in this record. Yeah, it it was yeah, it was it was very very sad news. Um and I've been Jana had actually my so Jana's my wife um back in you know mid 90s it was cornerstone that like 
connected so many different circles of people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how, um, uh, I believe that's how Sean met Buka, who was half of Argyle Park, um, who was part of the you know industrial uh, Circle of Dust, Long Island crew, Clank, you know. Okay. Sure, um, sure. So so Buka Buka you know met Sean, and and I think that's where Jana met both of them. Not positive, but but they were all like like friends, uh, Jana was actually, um, pretty close with Sean, uh, for a time back in, you know, like I said, in the mid nineties, because Buka and a bunch of other guys had this house out in Long Island that they called Argyle Acres. And Jana was driving up from Philly or South Jersey, where she lived to New York all the time to audition. So she would crash at Argyle Acres and Sean would go up there and they would all just like hang out and spend time together. Um, and um, like fast forward, it was like a couple months ago that Sean actually reached out to Jana on social media or DM'd her or something. And, you know, they were just catching up and, and it's, it's, and like I said, that was like a month ago. It was, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't long ago at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've, you know, been texting with Jamie a lot lately. I saw Buka again recently. We, we reconnected. As I mentioned, I talked to Mark LaCasse last night. Right. You know, I've been listening to these podcasts. Like it's definitely been spending a lot of time thinking back. And, you know, Sean was such a positive force. He was so much fun. It's it's so I, I have to tell the story very quickly, but um somebody on on Sean's Facebook page shared a podcast that he did an interview on back in 2018. I believe it was as the story grows, but I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but I listened to it and Sean told this story on that podcast, which I was, I, you know, it's one of those things you were, you know, I, from all the other, all the other blurriness of being in the band and touring and everything, there are specific moments that, you know, vividly remember. And this is something I vividly remembered. And it was, it was a story he told on this podcast. And then Jeff Ballou from Savesaker told the same story. Mm. <clears throat> So um, we were all in the same place, <clears throat> but we were, we were, it's a Supertones tour, go to Hooks, Dave Zaker, Supertones. We're in Minneapolis. We're playing um, some Christian club. I don't remember the name. New Union, um, perhaps. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> so we were staying at some hotel for like three or four nights because Supertones was huge, right? So yeah. they had like three nights in a row. And so we, we were hanging out in the hotel lobby one night. And it was a pretty big lobby. We're over off to the side. It's like some stave digger guys, some Gordy Hook guys. Sean was there. We're all just kind of sitting around, you know, shooting the shit. And this, um, in the hotel, there was some sort of like wedding party that was staying. And maybe it was like some sort of bachelorette party that night or whatever it was. But this, presumably the bride and one of her friends came up to the front desk and they were very unhappy. So they were just letting the front desk guy have it, you know, like, and she kept saying, I know you can do better. I know you can send X, Y, Z to the room. I know, you know, she just kept saying, I know, I know, I know. And just, you know, giving this guy the hardest time. And 
and this you know and this poor this poor person was just listening and 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 trying to figure out how to address her concerns and she kept saying i know so jeff jeff puts 10 bucks on the table and goes 10 bucks says so she says i know 10 more times we're all like, okay, I'll take that bet. So some people are like, I'll take that bet. No, I'll bet she says it X number of times. And so we got all, like all this money on the table. So we're all sitting there and we're like listening. And so now we're just, it's quiet. We're just listening. You know? So she says like, I know, I know. She says it seven more times. Oh shit. Oh shit. And so it's like three <laughs> times to go. And then there's nothing. Like for good, you know, three, five minutes, nothing. And she finally started to kind of taper off mm-hmm. and and she really didn't have anything else to say and you could tell she was kind of getting ready to leave and so the people that were betting you know had certain bets were like all right it's time to collect it's time to collect then she turns around she goes i know i know i know <laughs> Three times in a row. That's awesome. and our whole our, our entire side of the lobby just started erupting (laughs) (laughs) they're all looking at us they they turned around and were like what's going on what's up with these people over there um yeah Uh, you know so so to hear you know sean tell that story jeff to tell that story and and to just remember those times i mean that day that we went to the capitol and went on the you know the lawn in front of the Capitol and did that photo shoot for Banana Man, you know, it was, it was so much fun. And yeah. And, and Sean was like, you know, uh, he, he, he knew how, like he, he was, he was, he specialized in marketing. He knew how to market himself. He knew how to market other people, um, you know, and that's, you know, and, and, and he just continued to do that throughout his life and was always successful at it. And it's just, it, yeah, it's a real shame that, yeah. that, yeah. So he seemed so, yeah. to be to like, a, yeah, raising yeah. a, raising a drink in his honor here. He seemed yeah. to be a very like integral part uh, in the scene for many people that mean a lot to us. So, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Cheers to him. Yeah. Um, you know, as we're kind of looking at the post banana man landscape for you guys, <laughs> um, I feel like I made this narrative up uh, as a teenager that there was sort of like a pre Conrad leaving and post Conrad leaving the band uh, distinction in terms of like difference in sound or trajectory. Is that something that I just sort of neatly made up or do you think there is some truth to when he left were you guys trying to sort of reassess where you were at or what was that process like so when he left i think yeah there was a period of time where we had to regroup basically Mm -hmm. and that's where songs we didn't come uh songs we didn't write comes in right you know i think i think tooth and nail or brandon specifically had suggested we do a covers record and it made sense because he had just left. We needed to regroup. We weren't in a place where we were ready to like write another full record of songs. And so that was, that was a significant shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were other factors. Uh, we were all starting to get a little bit older. 
-hmm. did want to be taken a little bit more seriously. Um, you know, I had reached out to Mark. Uh, I just, I got it in my head that I just got it in my head that Mark would be a great addition to the band. And mm -hmm. I really liked who he was and his energy and his talent. And, you know, it's just something I, I, you know, I really wanted to happen. And so that definitely uh, played a role. And then when we, when it did come time to start writing two years to never, you know, for Sumo and Banana Man, we, you know, we, you can see in the Sumo, maybe in Banana Man too, in the, in the, in the notes where like, like who wrote the lyrics, who wrote the music, you right. know, and that kind right. of thing. Yeah. So when Two Years to Never came around, we were just, we, we decided, you know what? We all show up to practice. We all yeah. show up to go on tour. We all show up to do this and it should just be us. Like, and we should all, you know, and, and even in like the songwriting, even though like, you know, with Sumo and Banana Man, like, you know, Conrad, a lot of the times, me, some of the times like coming, you know, coming to, you know, rehearsals with ideas, it's still the entire band that's, you know, taking those ideas and, you know, and turning them into full, you know, full songs. Right. Yeah. So, so by the time two years never rolled around, we want, I, we just wanted to focus on, you know, songs and lyrics by Goaty Hook, end of story, even yeah. though, of course, there's always someone coming to the table with this initial idea sure. this initial riff you know or or verse chorus you know or, or whatever or writing the lyrics um it was still all of us that were you know part of the process so so to answer your question like yes it, it was a shift when 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 conrad left um and then you know and then as i mentioned there was a, those other things as well and they just kind of all worked together to kind of changed the way we were doing things. Yeah. I'm assuming that it's not as clear cut as this, you know, a lot of these questions I'm asking the answer is usually like, it's just kind of what happened naturally. This was the right, natural right. progression, but like, as you were looking at two years to never, or maybe even like, as you're saying, sort of reassessing post Conrad bringing in Mark was there, did you guys say, let's try and move away from that pop punk sound? Or was it just like, this is what makes sense for us to move into now with, with more of the tenor of the two years songs. I think there was a conscious effort to move away from the silliness, you know, yeah. um, you know, and that was definitely something that, that, um, Conrad enjoyed and and in the early days of Goaty Hook, like we, you know, we all did. Like we 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 liked doing both. Yeah. Uh, but he definitely had a heavy influence when it came to the silliness um, of it all. And so um, so yeah, so when he left, you know, we're also progressing in the bands that we're listening to at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, and again, wanting, you know, so at that point, you have to think like with Sumo and Banana Man, like we had toured now for a couple of years. We had done some amazing shows. We've done some really <laughs> shitty shows. 
but it was still like a lot of church shows and things like that. And so come to two years and ever, like we really wanted to get out there. We wanted to stop being so, you know, we, we, st- we wanted to stop uh, hearing people refer to us as, you know, a Christian band, you know? And, right. and so I think, you know, that was part of it too. Yeah. And then to go back to what you were saying, and then it just all just naturally happened. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's where your head was at at the time or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, I don't know, Andrew, you may have more, more questions about two years, but I mean, we I, both, we both picked this album up like immediately when it came out, like, yeah. Cause I remember getting it in, I think it was July of, cause I, I, like I said, I got it at the, that the covenant youth conference in July of 2000, I guess was cause when, is that when it came out that around that time? Like, I feel like it came out in July of 2000. Yeah, it was, it was 2000. I remember, I think we recorded it in 99, maybe. I don't remember yes, now. July yeah. 18th, 2000 is when it came out. Yeah. So I, yeah. I got it, um, you know, right, right around that time. And yeah, I think, I think for probably like as a, as a 16 year old kid, like, um, who had come to understand Goaty Hook as one thing, like, I think it just, gave me whiplash because I, because of the way it was just like, but like as a 37 year old man, now looking back on, on these records, I'm like, like, of course they are maturing and trying to do their own thing. And like, like that makes all the sense in in the world to me that they, that you guys would want to challenge yourselves, do something different. And, um, because you were you were in a different place so like that make that makes sense and and as i said on that the two years episode like the album has significantly grown on me um over over the years and especially in listening to it again that i'm i just it it has so many like and and like i also i'm just more open to different you know we've talked throughout the the three years of doing the pod that you know john's uh appreciation for different kinds of pop rock or rock music is just not usually there i'm more open to different kinds of rock than and then you know but it I, I don't know. It, it took me some time, I think, to warm up to the record because I was just so much in this punk rock niche right, at right. the time. And, um, you know, I was I was a fucking child, like thinking <laughs> like this is what like that, uh, like punk rock to me was like the mute, the these genre, like nothing right. else, fun, <laughs> nothing else mattered. And, you know, I. And then a short uh, two years later, I was like, like, it's all about metal and all about hip hop and all about indie and 
And, you know, I, I, of course, because I grew up and I was starting to expand what I was listening to. And I started to appreciate, appreciate different genres of music. So of course that like, it took me time to revisit certain records of my youth and be like, Oh yeah, this rules. I was a dumbass for not understanding, but now I do. And, um, in the goatee hook canon of records, it's, yeah, I, I, I really, really appreciate this record more than I used to. Well, so in thinking back on all of this, I was telling Mark this last night, an alternate reality, I think what, what could have been interesting is we had a three record contract with Tooth Nail. And so Two Years and Never, I was actually, you know, the, the third record. And um, so what, what would have been interesting is if we had said, okay, we're going to do a third Goody Hook record. We're going we're gonna to stay true to the sound of the first two records. Um, I'm sure we could have even enlisted Conrad to help in the songwriting, even though he had other things that he was moving on with in his life at that time. I know he would have made time to like, you know, write some songs with us. Like we, we, we could have, we could have done that again. And then, uh, and then we should have just started a different band, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we should have just done something different. One of, one of the, one of the, um, you know, funny moments of listening to that, to, to you two talk about Too Used to Never was the opening song. I never really thought about like how sad and, <laughs> and, and just, 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 wow, what an opener. Like, I don't even think I, that didn't even cross my mind no like and that's and this is this is one of those things like (laughs) like john and i have talked sequencing ad nauseum throughout (laughs) throughout this our three years of doing the pod and like we probably think more about sequencing than like like it's one of those things that like uh i i've talked to my brother about this he's like you guys like he's like never in my life have i like thought about how a band would put songs together and john and i are like <laughs> well like maybe if they put this song in this place and it's just like yeah. we we think about this shit probably more than like the bands maybe do but you know <laughs> but it, but it, but as like as like the first introduction to the third record i really right. i mean now i can see <laughs> much more clearly the impact that that would have sure. on you know, someone listening to it with a certain expectation of what yeah. they were about to hear. I mean, it was, and at the time we were not thinking about that. We were just thinking about wanting to um, stretch ourselves to try, try some new things Yeah. to, um, you know, I, I think, you know, we did want to slow things down a bit and, you know and explore more of you know the rock tempo as opposed to like you know just that um fast you know punk beat and 
and so to, at the time it just it 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 just made sense to all of us that and it was just based on what just felt right at that moment you know yeah so um you know but i can i can hear it now in some of those songs you know like in in versus you know and 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 just listening to him be like yeah uh, okay that wasn't so great um or you know or expect and like you know expect was just something that i really liked the riff um mm-hmm. and we just tried to build a whole song around that sure. um and it was just kind of like eh, you know um campbelltown you know just should have been we should have sold that song to <laughs> someone else <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, <clears throat> but, yeah. but it was fun, you know, it was, yeah. it was, it was, it was fun to, to, you know, see what we were capable of and, um, you know, and explore a little more, you know? Yeah. It's been, I, I mean, the, the, I think maybe more so the, uh, uh, the peak of Goaty Hook was, you know your freeform jazz odyssey i think you kind of miss of course you missed your calling as jazz musicians really truly <laughs> mark's favorite you know song off the record <laughs> you know what I, I realized is uh the digital age has um ruined uh the secret track i, I, I really know. wish it's true it sucks. it I, sucks i really wish they would just leave it off all, all together you know yeah um but yeah there's there's no such thing anymore Right. I mean, it, I was just going to say briefly, like, it's been really interesting seeing different people's reactions to that record. Cause like, I think there was a sort of narrative that it really threw people or a lot of fans that it was so different. And that's some people still, or that they were like taken aback. And then there's some people who are like, it's obviously their best album. And then there's some people who that was their first Goody Hook record. And that, so they have the sort of uh, entry point love for it that we do about banana man and sumo you know like it's just i think it's very um i think people really love that record so i don't know i hope that you don't think too much about the dumb things that we were saying about like oh this riff is <laughs> no, too chunky. Not, like it means a lot no, to a no. lot of people for sure um, no not at all i i like that it just uh you know it, it gets such intense reactions one way yeah, <laughs> one one sure. way or the other you know yeah, definitely so. and, and and along those lines i was curious about two years but really i feel like a lot of our questions are about the final ep like there was <laughs> and i'm not I'm, I'm genuine here like there was a i feel like there was even more of a turn from the early goatee hook sound with those final six songs and we we just wondered like we didn't know that record at all until we started um covering you guys for the season so like could you talk a little bit about how the ep came to be like what was the making of that like what are your thoughts on it today so we knew and and you guys guessed at this like we knew that we were breaking up when we were writing that and recording that and so drop dead is me reflecting on the band got it um and so we we knew that was that was that was happening and um it was just the three of us and we were all in i think we were all in serious relationships at that point um and 
so, and, and touring got harder towards the end because if, you know, it was great when we were opening up for MXPX, but when it was, was just us, we, it just, it was a lot of hit or misses with a lot of um, misses um, as far as like shows. And, and in fact, it was part of the reason that Mark decided to leave was, was the, the shows were just not great. You know, mm-hmm. they, they got gradually worse. And mm-hmm. so, um, what do you attribute so yes, that to? We, we did not know how to market ourselves. We did not, um, you know, that was one of the, one of the things with, with, with parting ways with Christian, you know, he was the one that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like he was the one that was always seeking out um, different marketing opportunities. How mm-hmm. can, how can we market Goody Hook? How can we play, you know, with this band? How can we go do this thing? How can we get on this compilation? How can we, you know, he was the one that was like digging in on that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, the rest of us were just being like, well, I'm just kind of waiting for it to happen, you know? So, you know, he was the one that was actually actively, you know, um, trying to do that. So when, so by the time it was like, you know, the four of us, um, you know, we, among the four of us and then the three of us, there was never like that person. There was never that cheerleader. There was never that person that was like, sure. you know, re- really trying to, to get us out there. And we didn't have a manager and we had, you know, we still had this shitty relationship with, um, Davdon, I think it was the booking agency. Um, they were just, you know, just wasn't great. And yeah, we, so, so anyway, so back to the EP. So we, we knew it was ending. It was just the three of us. I, and, you know, and I was now playing, you know, all the guitar. Right. Um, uh, Adam and I did a lot of the songwriting for the EP and, you know, a lot of the riffs and things were just me, you know, trying to flex these new muscles, basically. Yeah. Is bro, that all you bro, on the record? I, yeah, yeah. I gotta you say, awesome you fucking record, shred yeah, yeah. on that, on that EP. No. Like I, I meant everything I said, even though like largely the style of music is not generally my vibe. Like, you guys like what you brought musically structurally to that EP, I think is impressive. Like for three people, like you fill out a sound that I think is uh, respectable. And like, I, I was like, man, for a guy who was like the lead singer and everybody else was like doing the, I'm like, you fucking are killing it. So well done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that, was, that was that was impressive lead guitar shredding for a dude who wasn't always on lead guitar. So right? anyway, it's, it's a it's a good sound. Was that? I mean, you guys produced it yourselves, right? Yeah, we produced it ourselves. Um, our our friend Harry Evans uh, recorded it, um, and you know he provided some input. Um, he, I think he was he was uh, helpful with like some of the a lot of the like small touches on the EP, like some of the like keyboards and synth work, mm-hmm. um, some of the, 
it, you know, and then of course, like the, the, the actual recording and, 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 and helping with certain transitions and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, it was us. And it was, it was, it was very bittersweet. I vividly remember standing in the control room next to Adam and saying to him like this, you know, at that moment in time, it felt to me, it felt like the best thing that we had done. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and I, and, and it was so bittersweet because we were calling it quits, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and Adam didn't want to call it quits. It was more Jamie and I that made that decision. And then he just, you know, it was two against one. And, um, you know, so as I said earlier, it, in an alternate reality, you know, I think if we had, you know, done the last chapter of Goaty Hook and then maybe transitioned to a new book altogether, yeah. um, you know, that, that, that could have been interesting. And I, and maybe part of the reason we didn't think about doing that is, is, or at least for me at the time, well, one, it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, but um, two, like, you know, with tooth and nail, we, you know, we had, we had sort of climbed the hill, you know, we certainly didn't like ascent, you know, the mountain, but we, we had, we had achieved a small level of success uh, we had been able to tour and survive and we never made money, but we were able to stay out there and have fun. But, you know, two years and ever than the EP that, you know, that era of the band, we, you know, we, we really were in a, we were at a state where we were in a state where we had to, we had to, we had to be in sync with one another to make a, mm. make a collective decision to like, rebuilt basically Mm -hmm. and i just don't think we you know for me at the time i just that felt overwhelming i didn't know how we were going to make that work like i said we didn't have like christian there anymore you know we we you know and adam adam had all the passion you know he always had that passion but it we needed we, we needed like the, you know, the ass kicker to be like, all right, now right. go do this and, you know, and work on that and go make friends and network with this person and, mm-hmm. you know, go play this show with this new band over here and that kind of thing. And yeah. this was 2001 they, when you were recording this and social media was not what it was. So you didn't have no, that. No. <laughs> you didn't have, you didn't have that. No, no. I mean, I, I think, you know, and, 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 you know, and then just life circumstances come up, as I said, we were all in serious relationships. Um, and, you know, in between tours, you always had to find work, you know, to, to pay the bills. And, um, you know, for, you know, it's also like parents being like, okay, like you need to like <laughs> move right. on with life, yeah. you know? So it was, you know, it was all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, I mean, when you look back on all the discography, what are your sort of favorite songs or eras? I mean, do you still sort of think of that as being, you know, the pinnacle of, of your work or or how do you look back on it all? Um, 
don't know. Well, I'm thinking record by record. Um, for me, um, let's see. Let me try to try to say this without thinking about it too much. Um, sumo um, season shrinking inks never. Um, uh, uh, Banana Man. Um, let's see. I'm getting okay. I'm I'm gonna go on a tangent. Middle ground. <laughs> Because you yeah. love, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <It's, laughs> I love that you love that song. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I like it. I like it. Um, I, I just, to me, it was like, it was, it was me trying to write South Capitol Street again. Yeah, uh, well, which is also an incredible song. So, um, and uh, will we so, ever get Yelly Joel back in our lives? <laughs> this is, this is what I want to know. God. The streets are talking. Uh, They're asking for Yelly Joel. <laughs> um i i sing to my kid a lot uh a lot lot of a lot of disney soundtracks sure sure (laughs) these these days um maybe 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 one day um but anyway let's see you're not not screaming at not screaming your songs at the kid i'm assuming i think with banana man it was more like there were like snippets of things that i liked a lot um um but I'm I'm blanking for, for for whatever reason. Like, well, for example, Just Fools. Like, mm-hmm. I liked where I was going with that song. I think I could have tried a little more to um, just, you know, maybe 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 played with the melody a little bit more. Um, I liked the vibe of it, but mm-hmm. um, but I just don't think it was the same. Like I said, with Middle Ground, it was like. There was some, there was like, it had the aggressiveness, um, you know, I, I, but again, like we were, we were, we were on the clock. We were trying to get things done, you know? Yeah. So, um, and what's, what's the end, what's the last song? Uh, Give me a chance. Yes. That one was always, life. that was always fun. Yeah. That was always fun, fun to play live. Yeah. And then, like I said, monsters, I had totally forgotten about that. I was like, oh, that's, that's kind cool of fun. Song. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool song. Um, two years to never, uh, yeah. Um, Lullaby, Chevy Nova, hell yeah, mm-hmm. hell yeah, um, correct. Which were both, <laughs> which were both. Jamie brought those to the table. Um, next to me, I, I was happy with next to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I liked that. I don't know if you guys refer to it as an opus. Uh, <laughs> I think so. That was a lot of people's number one when we when we asked yeah. people's top three. Yeah. So, some somebody said on one of your one of your uh, accounts, um, "I'm going to go cry now" or something like that. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> uh, and means to an end. I I, yeah. I I that was one I forget about. Uh, that was Adam uh, hmm. brought that one, oh, wow. and um, and I liked. You know that that one kind of kind of stuck out to me too. Um, yeah, very yeah. very heavy opener, very heavy closer for <laughs> yeah. two, two at years least to never thematically at least. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Thematically, I'll say yes. Yeah. Is there? I mean, are you? Sorry, I want to get your your EP thoughts too. You didn't. Oh, EP. Um, EP everything except 
for Robert Paulson. Robert Paulson. <laughs> sure. Were That's you on, uh, were oh. you were you a Fight Club fan? What what's? Uh... Oh no, we loved the movie. I don't know what the fuck we were trying to say <laughs> in that song. I, I it it became like pseudo political and and uh, or something. Uh, and, sure. And I I don't know exactly what we were. I, I think we just like came up with a couple lines and then kept building off that. And then, yeah, in the end, that was not, yeah, that, that, that one, I definitely could throw that away. <laughs> sure. Well, we agreed on you bring me down. Absolutely shreds. So that's a highlight. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there like an outlet for you in terms of creativity these days? Are you still making music of any kind? What kind of music would you want to make if you were making music? So I, I've, I haven't played a lot um, over the years, um, but I, I have had a few times where I, I, I try to get back into it. Um, lat, you know, when the pandemic hit, I started to pick up the guitar again. Mark and I were texting more and we were starting to get close to starting to share some ideas back and forth. Oh, shit. Uh, it, never, it never really materialized. Um, you know, we both got busy with life. And then, um, you know, having a, you know, having my son, um, right. uh, and him being, you know, two now, and it just, it's basically like work family. And then one other thing is, is basically what I have time for. So, yep. Sounds right. um, yeah, so I, I, I would like to, so anyway, yes, I started to, to play some more, um, during the pandemic and then just got caught up with, with, with life, but I, I want to, um, I just, you know, finding the time is the, is the, yeah, is the difficult part. So, yeah, man. So you're saying Gody Hook reunion confirmed. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll share that's that. I'm hearing text uh uh put this on twitter it is hard listening to these songs and being like we're not going to get to see them but if there's any chance that it happens i sure uh we sure will be there um you know you've been very generous with your time yes Uh, andrew has an important final stretch of this conversation to get to here all right so one thing that i like to do for guests uh of the pod is Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do quizzes. Sometimes I do. Um, I give. I, I like to play little little games where I give you uh, a a specific question. You have to tell me which one you think is the best. Um, so sort of a a Sophie's Choice game, so to speak, okay. um, in a game that I'm calling. Jolly shit, you won't bell leave some of these questions. Um, okay, wait, uh, hold on. <laughs> I'm already confused. What am I? <laughs> okay, what am I signing okay. up for here? What am I okay. signing up for? What am I... Okay, so I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to give you um, a two options. Um, okay. And you have to tell me which one is your preferred option in, in a specific category. But basically, okay. I'm just going to be asking you about local stuff to your area. Um, okay. So basically, I'm going to first question is best pizza. Well, hold on. It, what's that quiz called again, Andrew? It's called Jolie <laughs> Shit. 
you won't bell leave some of Thank these you. questions. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I need to hear it again. <laughs> um, so best pizza in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, Medici or Lindestri? Neither. Neither. Um, okay. See, this is the thing. I I do this. I do this. I've done this with a variety of people, and I get the I get the neither. So you tell me uh, if I'm if people are going to Brooklyn, uh, you're going to that that your area, your neck of the woods. I want you to tell people where they should go. So fuck both of these places. The Joel Bell stamp of approval goes to. Uh, it's technically in Bushwick, which is right next to Williamsburg, but it's called Roberta's. Roberta's. All right, yeah, what what makes actually, them stand out? Um, it's it's brick oven style, so it's not it's not your traditional New York New York slice or New okay. York pie. Okay. Um, but they they do that brick oven pizza, and they just I don't know. They just every combination they come up with. Um, like we always get this one called the Jesus Christ. And <laughs> then Love it. there's another, there's another one called the bee sting. Okay. Um, so the bee sting has like honey. It's like a little spice. It's got uh, red pepper flakes. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's just, it's so good. So, and like over the years as they've grown more and more popular and then like seamless and DoorDash and all that came around yeah. like now we can you know for for years now we've been able to get it delivered so that's like that's a treat for us from time to time are, um, and then are, i can okay sorry go ahead no no go ahead go ahead go ahead now i was gonna say are these so like i'm i mean you can't go a block in in new york without finding a pizza spot so we're like totally. are these are these two places that i mentioned are they are they decent spots like are or Honestly, are they just I'm, overhyped I haven't heard of either. No. Okay. No. Okay. All um, right. I mean, let, and I, I wouldn't consider myself like a pizza connoisseur. Um, okay. So uh, it's possible I've had them and then just wasn't paying attention. Sure, um, sure. Like there was this other pizza spot that's on Bedford Avenue that's in Williamsburg. And it's, I want to say it's Jesse's. I can't remember, but it's literally a hole in the wall. Yeah. And, and they do like the traditional like New York slices. Um, sure. So good. It was the first time I ever saw the trash can where it says, thanks. And they put the dot in between the T and the H and put a picture of Tom Hanks. Nice. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I have two pizza places close to me. Uh, they're both called Danny's Pizzeria. Uh, I don't know why they decided to open one Danny's Pizzeria on Bushwick Avenue and then just two avenues over open another one. <laughs> but um, it is the most mediocre pizza ever. Um, so once every Called few out. years, um, it's like literally right off the subway stop. So once every few years, when I'm coming home on the subway after a night out, um, I will stumble into uh, Danny's <laughs> just because of convenience. But <laughs> but otherwise uh you're stopping at your girl roberta's yes yes hell yeah all right uh what about uh the a better spot to grab a beer tourist or clinton hall i think i've been to clinton hall so i'll say clinton hall 
are there so you i mean you had mentioned that you're drinking uh a local a local brew this evening do you got i imagine there's got to be any number of breweries in in the brooklyn neighborhoods that you can grab some some good pints well i i i am the type of beer drinker so i go in and out of 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 drinking beer um but i am i am the type that will go to the grocery store and we'll just look at all the you know all the different you know there'll be a huge freezer full of beer and i'm just looking at the cans sure like this can looks interesting or this can <laughs> looks interesting. Yeah, that's the same way with the bottle of wine. The, the label looks cool. The label's pretty, got a monkey on it. Let's grab pretty, that. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, I wish I could remember this one name, this one beer that I, I get. Uh, it's, uh, what is, I can't remember what it says. I don't know if it was like, it's not called like disillusion, but it's something, something along those lines, but uh, it's right up my alley. And uh so I totally bought that because the name. <laughs> right on. Um, are you a coffee drinker? Um, yeah, on and off. On okay. And off, yeah. Because I was going to ask about uh, the best. I coffee. feel like I'm terrible at this game, but, okay. but continue, <laughs> yeah. continue. No, you're fine. You're fine. I don't um, think there's a way to be. And this, this. <laughs> this is a this is a win win. So. Uh, best coffee partners or oslo coffee roasters i can say this one with confidence yes. oslo yes. okay yeah. what's what's their deal do they just good, um just they've, they've, good cup or they got bakery stuff too or what they've just been in the neighborhood for a really long time and um jana my wife uh our friend karen is friends with the owner so like okay few times over the years like we've we've like run into him just a really cool guy and you know it's like anytime it's like not starbucks and it's you know interesting and has a bit of personality is is you know is always welcome so yeah and they've always had that and um yeah it's it's definitely a um we'll definitely get coffee from there from time to time. We'll definitely buy some and send to friends from time to time. Um, stop there before, uh, you know, before driving down to Jersey to see family and, sure. you know, and that kind of thing. So Oslo all the way. Hell yeah. Um, moving out of Brooklyn, uh, better DC post hardcore band Fugazi or Jawbox. Ooh, I, Fugazi. Yeah. Fugazi. Yeah. Have you both, both great? Yes. Because uh, I think uh, uh, Drew Mazurk, from what I remember, I think he, he worked with Jawbox, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, have you seen either, uh, either of these bands live before? Have you ever had the opportunity? I've seen Jawbox for sure. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I've seen. I, it's funny. I'm almost positive Fugazi played at some high school, like, like some all day thing um, at one of the high schools in my area when I was growing up. I swear they did. That I was right. there. <laughs> They're always um, playing weird places. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah i think i think so yeah <laughs> um going back a few years better post show hang mxpx or five iron frenzy <laughs> we didn't play with five iron that much so i mean we played festivals and things like that yeah um and and we did play some one-offs yeah uh and we not, always not many tours specifically not many but, tours yeah. yeah so i'd pick i pick mxpx although i will say um you know one little fun story when we had first recorded sumo and it was first kind of making its way to the bands like the bands would start to hear some of the stuff before people would actually hear it you know yeah uh, as tooth and nail was starting to to, to get it out there and I, i'm pretty sure this is the case and I, reese had heard of us early on and we were on our first tour and or i don't know maybe it wasn't the first tour anyway it's one of the first tours anyway we were in colorado at the denver airport and reese came to the airport and we hung out with him just because wow. he liked the record and he That's wanted so to like cool. and he just wanted to hang out and say hi nice so very nice guy very what a nice good guy. dude yeah what a sweetheart that that reese yeah um all right so last last question uh this might be a difficult one for you okay Wor worse band name Okay. Goaty Hook or Puba Stank? <laughs> I'm always going to go with Goaty Hook. <laughs> I don't know. I think Puba Stank has you beat on that one. I mean, both both prompt the question, "What the fuck does that mean?" With with every interview, what is what does Goaty Hook mean? What is a Huba Stank? Yeah. Um, I'm sure At least there's like a, a, a sort of ethos behind Goaty Hook. I there, don't know if there's a, a driving principle behind who was <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong. You, uh, you ever big, big who fan, Joel? I remember the name. I honestly don't remember the music. You're, um, you're better name off. a who song. <laughs> the, the reason you guys remember the reason the reason is you no that sounds oh that's who, okay that's yeah, who, yeah, oh yeah. yeah yeah and the reason is you yeah yeah, 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 yeah. oh okay yes, yes. yeah yeah okay. that song's kind of good all right maybe I, i'm crawling crawling shake. into i think crawling in i the actually dark like too. that song yeah yeah all right well yeah goody hook who think uh crossover coming coming soon <laughs> um, i'm trying to think of what what like what what uh what sounds worse or better it's, it's really a <laughs> Like what flows better? Well, um, one of I the bands, think... one of the bands has the word "stank" in it, so <laughs> one loses by default. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, what 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 better note to end our time on than on putting the stank in Huba putting, stank? Putting the stank on it. Put a little stank. I mean, that's what you that's what you guys did. On that, you you on the on those some of those guitar solos, you had to put a little yeah. stank on it. Just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Joel, we could talk to you all night, uh, but we will not make you do that. Uh, it's been so awesome getting to talk to you, Andrew. And I were saying off mic that our teenage minds are absolutely blown by getting to uh, get into the stuff with you. We've been huge fans of yours forever. So, thanks so much for putting up with our nonsense this season as we've been going through the records and for talking with us tonight. Is there a uh, is there anything you want to plug or, or, or promote? 
Um, you, you've got a beautiful cat on your yeah, lap that, right that now. Sphinx cat yeah. right there. Yeah, this is Gomez. Uh, cool name. Gomez, Gomez is uh, looking a ha- cool. A hairless, Gom- a hairless cat with um, yeah, Sphinx hairless seems, cat. S- seems very affectionate and sweet. Yeah, he is. Uh, he has a brother, Dracula. <laughs> awesome! I love this. <laughs> they were they were born on Halloween. Oh my god! Oh my god! This you're speaking yeah. John's language yeah, right this, now. This is good spooky content. <laughs> um, yeah, they'll be they'll be thirteen. Oh wow! Um, yeah, about so, as old okay. about as old as my my cat. My cat Kevin is uh, around thirteen, fourteen, and um. You know, she's doing great. She's doing great. Cats live. Cats live forever. That's right. And I I, I anticipate her living forever because there, there's not another acceptable answer. (laughs) So you're you're plugging your cats. I'm plugging my cats. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's uh, thank you for reaching out and uh this you know this was a lot of fun i really it's this this whole thing has really been helpful for me to kind of look back and 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 really appreciate all of it and Mm -hmm. so um you know thank you for that i I really do appreciate that so and i should i should say magpod for life yes yes (laughs) that's how you close an interview (laughs) thank you thanks joel appreciate yeah Take it easy. I won't look back. That's not for me. Please don't take what I say later on. I know what. Well, thank you to our dude, Joel Bell. Yes. Thanks, Joel. For that outstanding interview. Uh, I'm trying to think of a reason to have him back on the pod. <laughs> we'll get him back. <laughs> Got to get him back on the pod. That's right. Uh, get Bell yeah. back. <laughs> that's what they, that's what, what is it? Ring that bell. <laughs> ring that bell, bro. Uh, <laughs> ring a ding ding. Uh, the streets, the streets are clamoring. Yep. Climb up that clock tower. <laughs> ring that bell. Yep. Fucking ring quasi- that bell. <laughs> that Quasimodo over here. Mm. He's just fucking uh, Quasimodo <laughs> ring that bell. Oh boy! Oh, now, now he's never coming back on the pod after this. <laughs> Glad we saved this for the end. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. Thank you to Joel. Uh, let us know what you think of that great conversation at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe to the pod if you haven't already, and give us a rating or review. We'll read your review on the show. Email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763-8727 MAGPOD. You can support us at the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. Patreon.com. So check out our bonus content and the Discord and all that good stuff. You can pick up some merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. Thanks to Shadow Producer Jason and Unoriginal Vinyl, and thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios for our artwork. Well, our time in the penalty box is over for this week. We're taking a little break next week, but then we'll be back out on the ice after that for a conversation with some special guests. Oof. Shit. Oh, shit. Watch, have a good week.
fucking shreds. Best ripoff of South Capitol Street I've ever heard. <laughs> For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.